In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, when he said this, he looked out and he was connected. He saw the crowds and notice this, he had compassion. Why did he have compassion for them? Here's why. Because they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like sheep without a shepherd. I wonder when you look at people in the church and outside the church, what do you see? What is stirred in your mind? Jesus turned to his disciples and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. Look this way for a minute, friends. Are you connected today with harassed and helpless people? Are you connected with people who are living as if they are sheep and have no shepherd? Jesus said they're all around us, but the laborers are what? They are few. Now, listen to me. Some of you are, are connected in your laboring, but you're not connected in your love. Some of you are connected in your love, but you're not connected in your labor, which seems like a paradox to me right now. Now, here's some things I want you to think about, some governing thoughts as we get into our message together this morning. Number one is this. Every person has connections to the world. We're connected all the way back to Genesis 1, where that God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, he created man, breathing the breath of life. You're connected. I know you may not think that you are. You may be a different color than somebody else. You may be a different height. You may have different likes or dislikes that you have in your life. You say, but we're not connected. Oh, yeah, you're connected. And then you got really connected in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve encountered Satan, and they chose the first ever terrorist attack spiritually in the world, and they rebelled against God. And you know that the darkness that's in our world today goes all the way back to then, and we want to blame it on God. But if you want to look at God face to face, listen, you'll find a holy God, a loving God, a God who did not create any evil, nor does he do anything that is evil. But the world that we live in that we're connected to is an evil world where people hate each other. It's a dark world where that even sometimes believers labor without love. But the second thing I would put around your heart is this, is that Jesus connected with the world. Jesus, I love the scripture. Listen to what Titus chapter 3, it was our reading this morning. Titus chapter 3 says this in verse number 4, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God and our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of our works done by us in righteousness. We didn't do it ourselves, but listen to this, but according to his mercy. When we look back to John 3, 16, we find a God who for loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. We find a God that's so connected to us that he came and lived in the midst of this mess and would die on a rugged cross and, and would come out of the grave so that we could live this life. And sometimes you and I get so caught up in the brokenness of this world and our labor in this world, we forget about what a great love and sacrifice Jesus made. But I'm glad that God saved me and redeemed me, Titus 3 and 5, and washed me in the regeneration by the Holy Spirit of God. And I have a new creation in Christ, but not only that, I have a new perspective. And some of us need today to get this new perspective. We need to, to join a movement. You say, what do you mean? Jesus, here's the third thing to consider. Jesus wants to be connected to you. Now, if you're saved today, you could amen and say that you are born again and that, that God has connected his life to you. But if you're not born again this morning, listen to me. Luke 19 and says that Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. He's wanting to connect with you. 
He can do for you what no doctor, what no preacher, what nobody or no thing can do. He can do for you what sports cannot do, what drugs cannot do, what sex cannot do. He alone can do for you what you need, and that is to bring you to spiritual life. That's what he can do. But I want to ask you this today. Are you connected to Jesus, and are you connected to the world? See, if you're a Christian today, listen, Jesus has connected you to himself. He's given you his spirit. He wants you to be committed to that. We say, we say surrendered around here. And once you're connected and surrendered to that, then he wants you to go out as a spirit-filled believer and to connect with the world. So watch this. God's bringing you together with people who are harassed and helpless. He wants you to love them. And can I give you another L word? He wants you to lead them. You see, the, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, if you haven't turned to chapter 3 by now, turn there with me to Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, we see the, an example of how that these believers, these first believers, 120 plus 3,000, and then others who were believing were now connected to God, and they were the first ones to, to be the answer to his prayer. So let me ask you this, are you an answer to God's prayer? Let laborers, Lord, let laborers be called to the field into the, the brokenness of this world and to labor beyond themselves. Some of you may today be grieving the loss of, of one of our, our loved ones this week, and you, may, you just may be consumed with that. Can I say this to you today? That is a part of life. They finished their journey, but you've not finished yours. And so you've got to keep laboring. You've got to keep loving. You should, yes, honor and remember their memorial and their memory. I, I sat with a couple of them yesterday talking about their mom, and, and I've been through the journey of a, of a mom going to heaven, and we were talking joyously about the future of where we're going. You may be going through a sickness or a disease in your own home now, and you're worried about what can be. Listen to me. You can't do anything about what can be, but if you're connected to God, you can labor in the now. And enjoy the now. And so, so that New Testament church, remember they got connected. They had waited. They had waited 10 days for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, Peter should have been preaching. 3,000 souls were saved. They were a praying church. They were in the Word of God church. They were a church that believed in miracles. They, they were a church that fellowshiped together. And they were a church that were winning the lost at any cost together. And so they came together. And I want to read to you an example. And all I want to do today is to hopefully stir your heart to, that if a 9-11 comes again, it won't catch you off guard, that you'll already be laboring, that if whatever that you see, whoever you see, that you will not look at them and put them down and make fun of them and get mad at them, or if you're laboring with other believers, that you not get discouraged and gossip and put them down and refuse to forgive them, that you would have a love in your heart that would position you. Am I talking to anybody? that would position you and I to make a difference in this world. So here's what happened in Acts chapter 3. Say amen if you're there, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. What do you think they were going there for? This is a tough question. If you're going at the hour of prayer, you're probably going to pray. At the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m., and a man lame from birth, say birth, was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those who enter in the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. The scripture goes on to say here at that moment, And he, this is the broken man, fixed his attention on them, why he expected to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. How many of you had moved on right then? 
Ben, we'd have moved on, right? I'm, I'm there trying to receive money. And the guy says, I don't have any money. Now, watch what the scripture says. But, but what I do have, I give to you. What do you have today? Look up this way. What do you have? Yesterday, before oh, I left here, we got a great men's Bible study together, and, and, and the food pantry was going on, and so many families. And I was meeting with another family that we ministered to yesterday. And I was I went home real quick because I had blue jeans on. I didn't think I should wear blue jeans over to a funeral home, and so I went home and changed. And I had five minutes with Sherry. She looked at me, and the only she said several things, but the one thing that stuck in my mind was this: that now make sure that you use hand sanitizer when you're done. I'm like, what? I go in to minister to these people. Can you see me standing there talking to the man whose his father passed away and say, Give me, wait just a minute? And the whole time, Danny, that I'm talking, you know, you know, you're connecting with me right here, brother. The whole time I hold it, miss, doing this right here. And I'm, connect, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against that. I mean, I, and then Jared can testify to Sherry today that it's when we left the funeral home, they had one of those dispensers, and I just stopped and I said, Hey, look at this. He said, What's wrong with you? I said, Tell my wife when I get home that I actually did this. Now watch this. If you're not careful, you'll get so wrapped around things that you'll do something that inhibits and prohibits you ministering the way that you should. Now, that didn't happen with me as far as the prohibiting because I, I didn't do that in there and I wasn't even thinking about it. And I just happened to look as I was leaving. I thought, I'm doubly blessed right here. But I believe that some of you today probably don't even want to listen to me because of something that's maybe that's gotten deep down in your heart. You may, may be not even hearing a word that's being said in this house right now because there's something else pressing on you. But Jesus here is ministering through his, his apostles, by the way, his apostles who that in John 14, he said to them, he said, you'll do greater things than I'll do. If you'll ask the Father, he will give to you that which that you ask if you're there to glorify me. So these guys are going to say, I've got something that Jesus had promised them. And so what do you have that God has promised you that you could give to somebody else today so that they might, might be better than they were when they came to where you are? And so here's what he said in the text. This is good stuff. He said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have to you, I give to you. So now watch what he said. You sang this while ago. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and what? Yeah, rise up and walk. I, you know, look out at somebody and just say, in Jesus' name, get over yourself. In Jesus' name, quit pouting. In Jesus' name, smile. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, lay down your burdens. In Jesus' name, realize that God has a miracle waiting for you. Now watch this. In the name of Jesus, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. And by the way, it was 40 plus years he'd been, been there. He was a man over 40 years. He was born, he was born lame, the chapter 4 will tell us next week. And they recognized him there. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Look at verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John. All the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. They're on the outer side of there in the temple, and all these Jewish people in there saw this guy standing there who they'd always pass by, Brother Beaver, they'd always pass by him, and now he's with them. Isn't that how church should be? That we should reach them out there, and so that when we get others to come, they come in, they look around like, whoa, 
What are you doing in here? I knew you three months ago. You were you with me at the bar three months ago. I met a man, Jesus Christ. See, that's what church is supposed to be like with us. But if all that we ever do is labor apart from love, that won't happen. And so the Scripture says that while he clung there, that verse 12, Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now, here's how he addressed the people. Listen to me. I heal this man. We've got prayer cloths for sale. We've got anointing oil. Over First Baptist Church, you ought to come over there. We've got 42 programs for you. You ought to be a part of these programs. You ought to do this. You ought to come and join a minister team of our church. You, you ought to go on a mission trip with us somewhere. Listen to me. Listen to me. God's working through us. But he didn't say that. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers. Now watch, glorified his servant, Jesus. Are we connecting yet? Glorified Jesus. Question, is the life that you and I live, does it glorify Jesus? Now, now here, here's what it says here. You delivered this Jesus over and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer. Remember Barabbas? To be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Lifted up Jesus. Lifted up Jesus. And now, brothers, brothers and sisters, I know that you've acted in ignorance. Anybody besides me ever acted in ignorance? Acted in ignorance, and as did also your rulers, but, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that as Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Now, here it is. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Does anybody need a time of refreshing? A time that God would refresh awakening into your life. We've been praying that for since January, a spiritual awakening would come. Now watch what it says here. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Christ, listen to this, appointed for you. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of the restoring all the things that God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And he continues to preach. And 3,120 turn into 5,000 men. Because in a moment in time, they got connected. So today, out of all your connections, what are they meriting in the kingdom of God? And let's go back for a moment and see the, these brothers going to the temple. They would go at, at 9, 12, and 3. And so they were going to pray to the true and living God. They had spiritual awakening inside of them. They were going, and the Scripture says they were, they were connected. And the Scripture says they, they were connected. Look back in verse 2, to a lame man. Tony Murata in his commentary that we were reading together says that he was not only broken, he was broke. Some of us look at people and their brokenness, but we don't see them spiritually broke. The Bible says he, he, was, late, he was there, and, but he was being carried. Apparently, he had some friends that loved him enough that they were taking or acquainted. People felt sorry, empathy, something for, from him. Can you connect with this guy? 
I thought about his life, and I thought, Pastor, I could connect with him. I've been carried all my life. Anybody else? My mother carried me for nine months. God planted me with inside of my mother, so our life begins there. It does not begin with humanity. It begins with heaven. I came into this world, and from that moment, my parents began to carry me along life. My teachers carried me. My bus drivers carried me. The policemen carried me. The, the firemen carried me. Coaches carried me. Church carries me. Electricians and doctors. All of these are instruments of God that have carried me in my life. So it would be kind of arrogant of me, wouldn't it, to not be connected with somebody at a level and saying, well, you ought to do better than this. James 1 and 18 says, everything that you and I have has been a gift from Almighty God. And so today I want to tell you this, I'm connected. But there's some things I'm not connected to. The Bible says here that this man was a beggar and he was sitting there at the gate beautiful. I've been to the gate beautiful. I've been by there. It was, according to history, it was a place where that the affluent people would go in. And also most people would try to get in that gate because if you knew somebody, you could get through that gate. Peter and John knew somebody were able to go through that gate. This guy positioned himself at that gate because he knew two things. He knew, number one, that the people who were going through that gate probably had money. You say, what do you mean? Because in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, Jesus had stood in that very place. He'd stood in that very place just before he died. In Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44, he had stood there and he'd watched them as these rich people. Remember, put the money in. Y'all remember that? They put the money in and he saw this widow putting in all that she had. So that was a place. But also this, he knew that probably people, as they went in that gate because of, the, of all that was around surrounding that, that maybe might give him a few pennies. Do you know the Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But whoever is generous to the poor is, listen to this, is lending to the Lord. And so these two men were coming, and, and I want to ask you this. Uh, uh, how, when you get connected with people, how do you get connected? You say, what do you mean? Now, think about this. Look on the screen. Some, some people are connected at a surface level. But if I am connected beyond a superficial level, I come to them in their mess because I know that God is a holy God. Now, you want to lean into this. If you missed everything else, you want to lean in right here. The church, it does not exist to give people a handout. We exist to give them a hand up. But if you don't love people the way that you should be, people are caught where they are. They're caught in financial and physical poverty. Think about the fact if you stand behind somebody in a line. Sherry and I did this once. We stood behind somebody in a line, and they were getting their WIC stamps out, if you know what that is, or checks, and, and they didn't have enough money. And to see that woman standing there, I don't know if she was single. I don't know if she was divorced. I, I don't know how she came to be where she was. But I know this. She was embarrassed because she didn't have enough money to pay for what those kids needed. I could see her mama in that moment. I could see her trying to determine what was most urgent. And sure and I didn't even say a word to each other. We just looked at each other and quickly both of us came out with our debit cards. And we leaned in, both of us at the same time. And said to the, to the lady there, it doesn't matter what her, ma'am, this is our, Jesus has sent me here today. And whatever it is, ma'am, listen to me. God has sent this to you. And she began to debate, no, 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 no. I've got money. I said, ma'am, I know you do. You probably left it out in the car. But listen to me. I just want to tell you that Jesus has sent us here today. We didn't give her a card for the church. We didn't invite her to the church because it wasn't the right time. Can you imagine when Peter said to this man, when he gazed at him, sir, look at us. He probably thought this. 
Well, here's another Baptist church on a mission trip. They got their cameras ready. They're going to give us food. Take the picture and we'll never see them again. I tell you what, that's, that's, that's some churches. That's not this church. For over five years, every first Saturday of the month, we have in the good times and the bad times, when it's cold, when it's not cold, when it's raining, when it's not raining, we have given the people for one purpose. Is God's not called us to give them a handout, but a hand up. I'm telling you, First Baptist Church, I sat with our mayor today, or excuse me, this week in a meeting where that, listen to me, his, his desire with our desire is that this city would become a city where Christ is Lord. And I'm encouraged about the fact that if we can get connected beyond a superficial level of our differences, I've discovered to be in this city over eight years that sometimes a low-end drug dealer is not, not a drug dealer because he wants to be. It's because it's the only living that he's found because everybody's told him he's worthless. But he's never met Jesus. See, I believe that, that, that you and I say that we love, but we're going to have to start laboring a little bit different as the New Testament church did. Peter and John were silver and gold, we have none, but what we have, we give you. He probably thought in that moment, I'm, I'm out of here. You see, the, the text in the Greek actually is inferring that as he's speaking to, to these guys, he's kind of blanketing in it. I don't know if you've ever sold anything or not. I don't know if you've ever just spoke out in a crowd of people. You just speak to everybody, don't you? So he's speaking to these guys, and then Peter, with a gaze, and that's another message for another day, and with a gaze, says, hey, look at us. And he looks, and he says, I don't have any money, but what I have to you, I give you. And then he says these words, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. John MacArthur, in his commentary, said this, the beggar had little reason to believe in Jesus of Nazareth. This is, this is true. This, this self-proclaimed Messiah from Nazareth had never helped him. See, you forget that sometimes. You think, oh, man, they're just a heathen because they don't believe in you. They ought to believe in Jesus. They're fighting Jesus. Now, some are. Those who are, are terrorists against this country believe in Allah. They fight everything about Jesus Christ. But there's multitudes in our country today who Jesus has never done anything for them in their mind, even though he has. You see, listen, when, when Mark MacArthur goes on to say, when, when Peter said, be healed in Jesus' name, he was acting in Christ's will. He was doing what Jesus would do if he were there. Are you getting this? He acted with his, in his authority, well, listen to this, that had been delegated to him. God had delegated to him this power, and now Peter stood there and said, in Jesus' name, in his place, as his representative, I say to you, sir, get up. Mom and dad, you're Jesus' representative. In college, you are Jesus represented. In the high school, you're Jesus represented. As a grandparent, you're Jesus represented. As a single person, you are Jesus represented. And if you're just laboring and not loving, you'll forget the one you're laboring for. But if you remember, they're harassed and helpless and they need a shepherd. You believe people need a church? I do. I couldn't make it without my church. People need a church and people need, to, need Christ. But many of us fail to give what we have. You say, Pastor, I really don't have anything. Really? 
If you're saved, you have the Spirit. If you're saved and you have the Spirit, you understand the Word. If you're saved and have the Spirit and understand the Word of God, you have, you have prayer. And if, you have, if you're saved and Spirit-filled and have the Word and your prayer, you have a mouth. And you have this mouth and all these things. And you can now go and speak life into people because of all of that. So let me ask you this. Surely, 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 surely your answer would be no to this question. Are you wasting what you have? Sherry and I sometimes waste what we have. Sometimes we get discouraged and get defeated. Sometimes we just start worrying and thinking about the what ifs. And, and in that moment, listen to me, the life is sucked out of us. Anybody else? Some of you today need to come up to this altar where you are. Because, by the way, you're not coming up to me. You need to, you need to come up to an altar and say, I laid down all these things. The Bible says that he took, he took the man. Now watch, here's how you help somebody up for him. You see, some people connect on a sur surface level, but you and I are like this. Some of us have to connect below the surface. We've got to connect below the surface. Here's, here's how you help somebody up. First of all, you reach down to where they are. The Bible said that when he said these words, he reached down and took him by the hand of Miss Diane and lifted him. Do you know that the faith that Isaac had came down the path from Abraham. The faith that Jacob had came down the path from Isaac, and the faith that Joseph had, even though that Jacob was jacked up and messed up, came through his daddy. And when I read the Word of God passages like Mark 2, when they brought the lame man to Jesus and tore the roof off, they paid the cost. Four men cared enough, and when Jesus spoke forgiveness to the man, he said, by their faith, you are healed. Are we giving people a hand up or are we holding them out? Do you believe that God can save everybody and are you willing to be used of God at a deeper level where that you can reach out to where from you are with full faith believing for them? I'm having to believe for my son, my oldest son right now. I'm having to believe for him. I'm having to pray for him. I wonder, is anybody else in that boat today? Don't get discouraged and don't get defeated because you are giving somebody a hand up and they don't even know it. But if the devil gets in the mix, you will never give them a hand out. You'll push them down because of prejudice and arrogance and pride and unforgiveness and hatefulness and meanness and, and all the things you don't even realize is there. Some of us labor hard and see no fruit. Because God will not fill an unholy vessel. But in this house, I'm believing that God is using you mightily. The Bible says this because when you give, watch this, when you give a hand up, you reach down and your faith becomes their faith because now they have to do this. They have to put feet to their own faith. James 2 and 14. The Bible says, Brother Rick, when he picked him up, apparently faith came into him because in that moment, the Bible says, Dr. Luke, being a medical doctor, said that strength came into his ankles and his feet. Apparently, that's where the problem was. And when it came into him, watch this, boom. Now, watch, he began to leap. The man who was holding him, either Peter was being jerked around or Peter was just standing back and this guy was dancing all over the place. 
I believe God can save anyone at any time if that one is willing to believe. But I'm believing this morning, First Baptist Church, that you and I have to believe for the drug dealer who can't believe for themselves. And we have to believe for every student at the high school and every student in college. We have to believe, and God is dealing with my heart so strongly about this issue in my life. God's tearing me inside out, saying, Keith, believe again. Get rid of the things that would keep you from doing that. So, so I, I, I'm finished in this moment. He began to leap so much that, listen to me, that people in the crowd began to run. And when they ran to see the guy, Peter realized, here's my chance. He began to preach. Cornelius in Acts 10 gathered his whole house and friends around to hear one man preach. Some of you are praying like this, God, 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 please, Lord, please, Lord, will you give me an opportunity, Lord? Well, Lord, will you reach my family member? Will you reach my family member? And God says, I'm on the way. And you say, well, God, I need a miracle. And God says, let me make you the miracle. Let me make you the miracle. You see, they can deny your words, but they can't deny your love. When a Wesley Johnson runs into a burning building, and a person trapped in the building, I don't believe he's ever had one who said, I don't want to go out. I'm telling you this, if you and I, this, the rest of this year, will get full of Jesus, saved, surrendered, and spirit-filled, you'll be able to give a hand up. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.